Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Walk the Line podcast. Now, today's episode is a bit different from what I'm used to doing. Now, we've been in lockdown for the past year over here in the UK, in and out of lockdown, stuck indoors. Mental health has become a, a talking point more and more over the past year. Now, I wanted to really do an episode discussing mental health and a lot of aspects. Now, I didn't want to get anyone on, to be fair. I didn't want to get some of these people that are just going to sell you a course or a guru or anything like that. I wanted someone real. I wanted an everyday person who has been affected by mental health, not as um, any sort of like kind of personal gain, but to recognize it and to show people that they might be suffering to a certain degree, certain aspects of mental health and to show them that they are not alone. Today, I have got uh, an incredibly brave young lady called Kim Virgo. Now, she discusses how she has been affected by mental health throughout her whole life. She's in her early 30s. She has suffered from anxiety, depression, and also PTSD. She's an incredibly brave thing that she did. She talks about it. She goes into detail and it's some of it's quite harrowing and some of it's quite disturbing to listen to, guys. So take note of that. But what I want to show and what I want to do with this episode is to show, again, show everyone out there that there is help and you're not alone if you're suffering from something similar. Now, listen to Kim's story and I want to take note and um, hopefully you can appreciate her story and understand it more. So, guys, without further ado, I'd like to introduce you to the extremely brave and incredibly inspiring Kim Virgo. And we're live. Kim, how you doing? You are right? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Thanks, you? Not bad, not bad. I, is, have I popped your podcast cherry today? You have indeed. I've been very nervous, but excited uh, at the same time. You should be nervous. I'm not some sort of like kind of a celebrity guy. I'm just a normal, everyday, average person that's got a, a very should, successful podcast. I should be aware of that, shouldn't I? <laughs> I know, right? I know, right? But Kim... Thank you so much for coming on. We've been trying to organise this for a long, long time, haven't we? We've been talking about this for a number of months, really, to get you on here. And I know it's obviously a difficult subject for you to talk about, but um, I know you've um, you've been going through a lot of changes over the past few months, a lot of uh, uh, different bits and pieces to kind of get you to where you are now, which we're going to talk about. Um, but um, obviously, this is uh, all run about really kind of mental health. And your story is more fascinating than anything else. It's more to kind of, I like, wants to have you on just to kind of show everyone and have people hear your story and just to kind of make sure everyone understands the ins and outs that they're not alone. They're not just the only person that's suffering with stuff like this. And it's, uh, it's something that they can actually live with and actually kind of bounce back from, similar to what you're going through, this sort of thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I, you said we've been wanting to do this for a while and we have done. Um, first spoke about it back in December 
um, even earlier, actually last year, probably mm. mentioned about doing it, didn't we? And yeah. Um, yeah, I feel like now it'd be a good time to do it. I've, I've been asking you about it and yeah. So let's give it a go. Let's give it a go. I like it. I like the enthusiasm. I'm looking forward to that. I'm not, well, I'm looking forward to it, but uh, it's great to have you on. As I say, it took a bit of time, but we got here eventually. So this this episode, this is the first part of the, the a kind of three-part series that I'm doing on mental health. I mean, the reason is, is lockdown's happening. We're starting to ease out of it. Last year has basically sucked balls. It didn't really kind of work out for everything, for anyone. Stuck indoors, being restricted, being told what to do. It's like being back in prison sort of thing. Being back in prison, being in prison. I've never been I was going to say, have you been in prison? You get that quiet. <laughs> I know, yeah. That's it. She's... <laughs> We don't talk about my past. We shouldn't talk about it. But, you know, it's, it's we've been restricted. So a lot of people have been affected by the mental health, anxiety, depression, all that sort of stuff. And um, it's it's been a bad time. So I want to go into a little bit of detail about yourself. I mean, you you have suffered with, was it mostly anxiety and uh, kind of PTSD in the past and all that sort of stuff? Um, yeah, it's mainly anxiety that I've uh, suffered with since I was a child. Uh, the PTSD, as you're aware, obviously is a very recent thing that has been brought to my attention. Um, I never termed myself as that. I never termed it as that's what I was going through. Um, called me narrow-minded, which is ironic as it's what we're talking about. But when they mentioned PTSD, I was like, what I've been through is not enough to warrant you know, to be just classed as trauma like that. But apparently it turns out it is, and they don't think it's just PTSD, but multiple PTSD. So a combination of things, which, yeah, was interesting to hear. It's, it's strange when someone, this, this is a new thing for me as well when it comes to something like this, because when you think of PTSD, you obviously automatically straight away, you think of forces people coming back and seeing horrific stuff and reliving that. You don't think yeah. that someone can have something like that in everyday life uh, and no. like over here. And when you described it to us before, I was like, wow, it was like a bit of a wake up call, really, to be fair. It's a bit like, shit, this, it, it does make a little bit of sense. It's trauma and it's something that you can get even just by being completely I wouldn't say kind of normal, just going through your everyday life and something might happen and it could affect yeah. something. And obviously that happened with yourself quite a, um, um, from previous sort of thing. So yeah. well, let's go into, obviously you said you the anxiety side of things. I mean, you said you, you, you struggled with that from a younger age. I mean, yeah. what's, what's been, what's happened there? Talk, talk to me through that. Um, basically, um, my parents split up when I was about 12 and um that's when all my anxiety came to a head it became quite apparent that I actually did have anxiety um I kept complaining that um I was feeling ill all the time I didn't want to go anywhere um if we were out having something to eat with the family or um I'd want to leave um if someone was poorly or anything near me like coughed or anything it basically my anxiety ended up revolving itself around illness um because of how I was feeling anxiety does make you feel ill it makes you feel nauseous um it give me headaches um bright lights would affect me and I couldn't really explain what was going on so I never told my parents at the time that that's exactly how I was feeling um 
I think they thought I was just being irrational. I'd say, well, I feel ill, we need to leave. Or if someone was coughing, I'd be like, oh no, you know, illness, I need to leave. It just became revolved around it. And it became like an obsession. Um, but when we got diagnosed about, when I was about 14, um, yeah, my mum said there were signs from when I was about five or six going upwards. I'd ask, am I pale? Um, if she said yes, I'd not eat my dinner. If she said, no, you're fine, I'd eat my food. Like there's always been that pattern of anxiety there since I was little. She always said I'd get quite irrational if I got upset in a situation. I mean, it's a, it's a hard it's it's a hard one to kind of diagnose because we were talk we're going back to like I mean you're in you're in your thirties now obviously you don't look it, um, thank we're, you. We're going back to like kind of like the, the late eighties, mid early nineties, mid nineties sort of thing when this wasn't really apparent. Nobody knew about this sort of like kind of disorder uh, they'd say or problem sort of thing. Um, no. It's only just been apparent. I would say it's only just been apparent the past five to ten years, uh, if that. I, I would agree with that. And I mean, even now you still get people that are quite narrow-minded about things like that. But um, yeah, at the time there wasn't a lot of help um, for my mum as well. Um, my anxiety gradually got worse. Um, my mum and dad had obviously, like I said, separated. So I was living with my mum and um, it got to the point where I didn't leave the house for two years. Um, I didn't go to school. Um, She'd try and get me out the door. I'd scream, I'd kick, I'd say, no, I can't leave the house. I've got to stay here. It became like my safe place. But at the same time, it also became my worst nightmare. I was terrified being stuck in four walls on my own. Um, so, it was horrible. So like kind of trapped sort of thing. Just being yeah. there. It's horrendous. I mean, what was, I mean, at that time you were still young. Did, how, how what were you? I don't want to want to go into too much detail because obviously a, a very difficult kind of subject. But how did what sort of kind of how did you cope with it at, at the time? I mean, or did you just do as much as you could, or did you not? I don't think I really coped well at all. Right. Um, uh, my mum obviously wasn't getting any help. Like you say, there wasn't a lot known about that type of thing at the time. Um, my mum was pulling her hair out. She won't go to school. I can't get her out the house. She was getting angry at me, understandably, thinking I'm being like a, you know, just your average teenager, stubborn, not wanting to go to school, when actually in my head I was petrified. I was like, I can't go out. Um, yeah, it was a difficult situation for all of us. It was a really hard situation to cope with, and I didn't cope. I surrounded myself by being at home, probably watching Friends, I have to say. <laughs> um, and literally, I hated it. I was at home on my own. My sister was at school and my mum was at work. So I was on my own at home at least six hours of the day, just, every day. It was horrible. I just you, got so much in my own head. Yeah, I was going to say, you just kind of went through and just started thinking over and over again. And you're not, you don't have that escape because a lot of people like go out and do things to get away from things and escape from whatever they're thinking. And then obviously you'd live in that, well, every day sort of thing. So it obviously must have been hard yeah. for you. I weren't in a good headspace. Um, I found out since then, um, I found out when I was about 19 or 20, that oh, my mum had been asked to obviously keep some notes on how I was at that particular time and how I was coping. Right. And um, 
finding out that these notes existed and then reading about yourself and you feel like you're reading about a different person is Jesus mind-blowing to be fair you don't it's like I can't believe I mean I wasn't horrible to them but some of the things I did to act out and how much potential danger I put myself in as well at the time Mm. is not it's not great at all well it's just because of that mindset you're in you think you were uh, it was a rational thinking it was a rational behavior because you just didn't know how to behave if that makes sense definitely I remember locking my mum out of the house um I locked all the doors thinking that I wasn't particularly safe and um my own mum trying to get in the house and I didn't want to let her in Jesus eyes my granddad had to come around with a key and let her in and convince me that it was fine and that there's not but that's how bad it got by the end of two years yeah. when you're stuck in just four walls and I was still a child. I was a child. Of course. Um, you know, it's it's it feels surreal to talk about it. It feels like a lifetime ago. Yeah, I could have. Oh, it was a long. Well, I'm going to say a long time ago. But it's half of my life ago. Yeah, half of your life ago. So it's uh, it's still yeah. quite a long time. It's still quite a long time. So with yes. the, with the anxiety, you've been li- living with anxiety since a young age, and I want to I want to kind of really dabble on the the help that you had then compared to the help you've having now. You know yeah. how that has changed because you've dealt with it all your life, and you've seen a, a, a different ways of progression through, um, like doctors, nurses, and medication and practices. Yeah. Yeah. coping mechanisms and stuff so when you were 14 when you were kind of really at that sort of like kind of low point what was the, the help that was there available to you well I used to see a connect I used to have a connections officer come round and see me do you remember connections that's going back a bit when we were all at school I don't know actually with you being bear in Scotland you might bear, not but they bear in mind in Scotland we're st- we, we've still got we're still reading textbooks from the 60s and this was 1993 so um yeah we've probably not got to that stage yet <laughs> 1993 couple- how old are you making me <laughs> well I'm making me I, this is what I was like when I was 40 and it was probably about then actually so yeah so yeah I'm Scotland but not the best we're not the it's like going back in time as soon as you cross that border it's like you're back in the 60s again so yes we didn't have that sort of connections <laughs> connections were what came into your school and helped you choose what you want for the future like after you leave secondary school whether you're going to pursue college or if you're going to go into work and um oh like kind of guidance officers and career, career, yes. career officers yeah, it... we had them yeah. actually we had yeah them. and we had i had one come around and see me um every i want to say every couple of weeks and she would see how i was and how i was doing at home and things like that um I remember I once went into school um, because they were trying to get me back into school. Mm. And I read about this. This is something I actually read about in the notes that were written. And um, it made me cry, to be fair. It was, um, I went into school at seven in the morning because that's the only time I would apparently agree to go in was when there was no chance of running into any pupils, anyone else. And my mum had promised me we were only going to go meet my head of year. And he'd gone and written on this letter that in all his years of teaching, he'd never seen something as concerning and that I was like a shell of my former self. That's probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to read. Um, And I got taken to see a psychiatrist to find out why I didn't want to leave the house. It weren't great getting me there, (laughs) (laughs) but I went. Um, But that, that, that was it. Their answer was, oh, 
you'll probably have to go on some medication at some point. Right. And that was it. That was it. That was just didn't know what to do, really, to be fair, did they? No, I didn't Didn't. know what to do. They didn't know how to deal with it. My mum didn't know how to deal with it. I remember my mum sitting there and saying, well, what can I do with her? And they were like, you've just got to bear with her. Like She's going. Suck up. Yeah. And it's it's horrible. When I look at it now, I feel really bad for my mum in that situation as well. But at the time, I just wanted someone to say, I'll stay at home with you, which is so mm. irrational and not great when you're 14, 15, heading on for 16. But all I wanted at that particular time was someone to just stay at home with me and tell me that things were going to be okay. Yeah. So. Which is, it's, it's not practical, is it? It's not. It's not. Obviously, your mum had to go out and do what she needed to do. And it's, uh, it's a hard, hard, hard she was thing. She keeping a roof over our head. So. It's a hard thing to deal with, to be honest. I can understand that. You can understand that. Um, so, so I'm moving away into, get into, away from, like, back into, like, kind of, uh, well, we're now into, like, kind of 20s. How did that kind of manage, kind of form going into, like, your, your, from the crazy teenage years back into the, the, <laughs> the, the, the years where you can actually get yourself out there and, take on the world what happened there um not a lot really I started at the sixth form college yeah I was there for about three or four months um every day was a battle to get me in I moved to Colchester to uh live with my dad so I could go and it was a battle he was dropping me there every day and I was appearing back on the doorstep an hour or two later saying I can't do it it was horrendous so um, really, so you had really kind of severe, severe anxiety sort of thing with kind of very everything. much so. And I wouldn't use a bus either. I wouldn't get a bus, so I was using all his money to get a taxi home to him. And he'd be like, "For crying out loud, enough!" <laughs> I'd be like, "Sorry." <laughs> I mean, what but was... I just could not physically do it. I could not do it. What was your like? Kind of, what was the the the, the kind of reception you're getting from everyone else? Because you had obviously friends and young had family that as well. What was the reception you're getting from them? Seeing the way you were acting, the way you were being, how did that affect you during that time? It's a difficult one to say. I had friends because I did have friends when I went to school, but my school wasn't around the corner. My school was an hour over an hour's bus journey away. None of my friends were really local. Obviously, we didn't really have mobiles. Then we had like the basic version of a mobile phone. And so I lost lots of my friends by not going to school. And it was hard. It was really hard. I felt very alone. Obviously, my mum didn't understand it. She was getting angry at the situation. Um, My dad and me haven't always had the best relationship. I know that he found it hard to deal with. Mm. Um, Yeah, it was really hard. And then my sister was the popular kid at school. So... She'd come home and say, oh, I've done this, I've done that. And I didn't really have any friends to speak to at that time when I wasn't going to school. It was very isolating. Mm. And then when I started going back out, I went to the sixth form college and my school was a direct feeder school into that college. And um, I ran into people and they're like, what are you doing here? Like, you didn't bother coming to school. Like, why are you at the college? And it was horrible, horrible feeling. Just getting that, and it begins. This is when it comes to like a lot of anxiety. I, I, I don't want to talk out a ton because I'm not an expert. I don't know. I, I would like to. I'm, I'm assuming a lot. So please correct me if I'm wrong. It's yeah. a lot of it are, is kind of affected by other people as well, other people's yeah. reactions and other people's kind of feedback into you and how they react to that. that I mean, that does affect it affects anyone about what people think. So having that. Yeah. 
that would literally kind of, yeah, make it even worse. Yeah. Sort of thing, Rather so than yeah. it being, oh, wow, haven't seen you in two years. How are you? What have you been doing? You left school. It was, what on earth are you doing here? You didn't even yeah. bother like going to our school anymore. How come you're here? Yeah. And I just, at the time, because I was still, basically, I was like Bambi. I was finding my feet, going back <laughs> out there and kind of trying to get back out into just being out in public. And then I was running into people who I'd not seen for years and they were asking me questions that at the time I just didn't want to answer. I didn't want to go into any of it. Yeah, Because so it pretty... weren't a warm response I was getting. I know what the, I mean, this is the thing is, what do people expect? You know, when they expect to talk to someone, you know, they, they know they've got sort of like kind of, I wouldn't say issues or problems, but they know they've got some sort of like kind of hang-ups and stuff and then, they react like that. They're fucking assholes. Uh, it upsets people. Upset me at times. I'm in a job and I love people to bits. So I love the humans uh, species and all that. I love them. Don't get me wrong, but people piss me off, and that is one of my biggest bugbears. That people are assholes. Um, they are, but you do get some great ones. But with certain social situations, people can be assholes, and that winds me up. So, so moving on, so I had a little bit of a rant there. Sorry, <laughs> I was I went off in one. <laughs> Oh my you God. do love a tangent, don't you? I do love I do, I do love a tantrum, a little hissy fit. That's what near enough was. <laughs> of a hissy fit there. So moving on from that, you, you you moved out of that. You're still coping with this, coping this day to day. How hard was it, like day to day life? Moving on, was it just a coping mechanism? Was it? Did you just find a way to cope with it and get used to it? It was always just constantly coping. I was always like on the edge. I was never feeling great. Um, they put me on some medication when I started at the sixth form college. Um, and the first day I took it, I made my dad laugh. I will always remember this because I literally took the medication. Half an hour later, I went, bye, I'm off to college. Went and got on the bus, got the bus all the way to college, spent the entire day at college, came home, full of beans, woke up the next day, rock bottom again. And he went, that was totally a placebo. It's because they'd given me this medication and told me I would feel great. And they and dad had said to me, it can work pretty much instantly. And it just shows what a powerful thing the human mind is, that because they told me that, I just went, I could do anything today then because I've taken this tablet and I'm just going to smash it. And the next day, obviously, it doesn't do that. It's not an overnight thing. It doesn't get in your system that quick. It doesn't do anything. It takes time to build up your medication as well. And the next day, I was back to square one of finding it just as hard, perhaps even harder, because I felt stupid that I couldn't do it that day. Yet the day before, I was ready to take on everything. I mean, you see, you mentioned the medication sort of thing that's going on. I mean, the medication thing is now starting to become, especially now, it's now starting to become a bit more of a more common yeah. thing when it comes to like anxiety yeah. and depression and stuff like that. What, what sort of medication did they put you on? Uh, they put me on a medication called citalopram. It's quite a common one. So right. anyone that has suffered with, um, you know, anxiety and things possibly will have heard of it. Um, yeah, I've been on that since on and off since I was 16, mainly on and off due to my own stupidity, I will say. But um, yeah, I've been on it a long time. Um, I don't know. It's a weird one. It's um, I obviously take it to kind of function day to day. Yeah. Um, it is hard. It's not something to be messed around with. Getting it into my system was not easy. Um, I had headaches, 
anxiety it almost kind of in heightens everything before it kind of finds a level balances you um, out sort of thing yeah exactly and then if you miss one or something it can throw you it's not something to be messed around with and I've realized that after not always having been best for taking it <laughs> um but I felt there's times and I'm sure other people that are in the same situation would agree with me when you've got people around you that are saying you don't need to take a tablet to be happy just get up in the morning and change mm. your mindset and just wake up and decide to be happy what's wrong with you it makes you feel like why am I taking this medication then is there something wrong with me as to why I feel like I need to so then you get into a you almost resent the medication even though it's actually giving you a better quality of life than you would have without it well, it's people's naivety again isn't it touching on that subject again it's, it's probably going to be an ongoing subject an ongoing topic in this conversation to be fair about the people's na- naivety and basically stupidity towards the actual um uh, subject to be quite honest with you so i think it scares a lot of people i don't think a lot of people necessarily want to think about it because it scares people as well to admit that mm. there's you know, something going on that maybe isn't visible to the naked eye. You can't see it. It's not a physical condition. But the problem is when you have things like this, the things that it creates in your body are very much physical symptoms. I will, if I'm having a panic attack, I'll be dizzy. I'll have heart palpitations. Um, I'll get weakness in my arms. I'll get pains. I'll get, it's literally like I'm ill. Or there's something wrong with me. And at that time, you don't know that it's just anxiety until you kind of, I've learned to kind of think rationally and I'm like, okay, I know what this is. I've done this before, Hmm. but there's been people that have seen me have panic attacks and they've thought there was something seriously wrong with me. One of them said they were either going to call an ambulance. Wow. So it's, 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 it's a stigma. There's there's a huge stigma out there in society right now regarding this condition, obviously similar conditions. And I think that's what it is, really, to be fair. It's people not understanding of it. And this, the stigma is, I have to say, it's something to be ashamed of more than anything else. It's like, yes, you're, you have been uh, the people who are actually suffering from it are ashamed to talk about it. And the people are who are, do want to talk about it are too narrow-minded to talk to them about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that is the sticking point I think we are in right now. Uh, with 2021 is that's an ongoing thing a condition that is not going to go away it's here to stay and people need to really kind of get their finger out and listen and accept it not just the people who are suffering i'm not talking about the people who are suffering but the people who need to listen and talk to it and understand with if they've got family members or friends or anything like that who have got yeah. this sort of condition or this sort of um uh, or taking medication or the scene counsel or whatever they have to understand that they have to really take one and understand what they're going through and listen to them and make an effort make a conscious effort that it's not yeah. just like that you know i'm rabbing on again but it's 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 a crazy one it's a crazy one yeah i mean my anxiety and depression have always gone hand in hand since i was little um <laughs> And it's just quite scary because you keep hearing more and more about how people are saying now, oh, isn't it scary how much kids you hear about that have got these things? But I was one of those kids. It was still about then. And I'm sure I'm not the only person of my age or older that is in that situation. 
but now it's becoming such a big thing to make sure we talk to our kids about it and that they know it's okay to feel a certain way and mm. they don't have to have it together 24 7 but of course when of course we were not. younger there wasn't so much known about it but it was still there i'm living proof that it was still there that's yeah i think it's i think that sort of thing's been around for many many years to be fair God, I, I'm going to go back to like the. the I would say I'd probably go back to the, the, the kind of 50s with the, the 50s housewives being stuck indoors and all that sort of stuff, catering to the, the men at work. And I think it must have been back there, but it was literally no one needed to just dealt with it. Just got on with yeah. it. The, the, old, the old British way of doing things suck it up, get on with it, you know, being proud, yeah. you know, we're British, be proud. It's starting to really kind of wear thin now. We're not in there. We're, we're evolving as a, a society and we're evolving as people and we need to evolve our way of thinking. Yeah. think about that way so i want to talk about later on i, I won't talk about now how you're kind of moving on and improving from what you've previously mentioned before but obviously if it's okay with yourself i want to touch on the kind of ptsd side of things um you yeah. mentioned you've suffered with that as well um yeah. i know it's a it's a tough subject um as you can imagine but I want to talk to you about that i mean you, you said you've you've you, you've suffered with ptsd um Describe to me how this kind of really started. What happened there, to be honest? Um, probably, again, it started all back from my childhood. Um, there was violence in the home. I won't go into a massive amount of detail, but, um, uh, yeah, there was violence towards me and my mum. And, um, yeah, it was hard growing up with that. It was, it was hard. Um, and then with these the anxiety and the way I was anyway I was always classed as my mum always said I was quite an emotional and nervous child I I don't know if one caused the other or they kind of went hand in hand Mm. but yeah it's affected me hugely it affects how massively how I am as a person um especially males in my life um I'm very easy to forgive I'm very quick to back down um I kind of have almost grown up. I'm realizing this now through what I'm doing at the moment. I'm obviously having therapy currently and it's going really well and I'm benefiting greatly from it. But I've realized I've grown up with a almost ability to just back down, um, a lack of self-worth, self-confidence, which obviously isn't helped with my anxiety. Um, Yeah, it's affected me hugely um I just almost seem to have brain fog so I can just shut things off I'll forget things someone could do something to really upset me or hurt me and then I'll just kind of shut it off and I'll be back to normal and like things are fine it's it's quite scary almost that that's happened and unfortunately I've been in relationships that have taken advantage of that and how I am as a person and that's where the other lot of PTSD comes in where they're so multiple um the relationships I've been in have not always been very healthy um I've had violence and worse I would say actually is the emotional abuse I never realized how bad that was um you know you make excuses oh well they're not doing this they're not laying a hand on me they're not doing anything to physically hurt me but I actually think that is harder to get over you know you can see a bruise you can see a cut you can get sick of it you get sick of looking at it but when it's emotional and it's over years, it just wears you down. Yeah. Um, 
until one day you realize you you're not yourself anymore i i'm incapable of making decisions although i clearly am making decisions because i'm now you know doing my own thing i chose to start therapy no one else made me do that um but it's trusting my own decisions i don't trust myself because of these things that have happened um and it's mainly just at the moment i'm just trying to work on my self-esteem and my self-confidence um I've got a little girl um, and, you know, I've got to be the best version of myself because she's watching me and she's learning from me. Yeah. And, you know, she, she needs to see a strong woman, not someone who's been broken down by these people. Um, yeah. So that's ultimately it's, it's hard. I can, yeah. I completely understand. It's, I can imagine how for so long someone can, uh, kind of manipulating you and being basically an asshole to be fair let's not let's not put a blender let's be let's completely honest just be an asshole to you no. it does i mean how long was it that you were you were in that sort of kind of relationship for um the violent relationship was a year like i said you eventually get sick of looking at it you get yeah. sick of looking at the bruises and the cuts and it was harder to hide friends pulled me out of that situation they said we're not keeping you in it but he was manipulative and very just nasty i can't even explain some of the things that he used to say they were nasty wow. nasty things um pulled me across the floor by my hair things like that like really nasty things going on Jesus. and then when i came out of that i met what i thought was a, a lovely guy i was with him for 10 years i took on you know kids as my own loved them as my own four kids which I still see and have a great relationship with because they're related to my daughter, which I'm proud of the fact I still have that with them. But it was great. He wanted me to do my own thing. Then it was be at home with a baby. Then it was now you're at home with the baby. Here's four other kids. Then it turned into not wanting me to go back to work, wanting me to study, then wanting me to give up studying and bettering myself. He was in charge of my bank account. It just it it just snowballed before I knew it. I'm 10 years down the line and it was actually a friend overheard me on the phone and I asked his permission to go to the shop to buy something. And I said, I asked his permission about something else, just going out somewhere. And she just said, that's 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 not normal. And I just I didn't realize how not normal it was until I had someone overhear a conversation and say, that's that's not how these things should be happening. Mm. Um and then kind of my eyes got opened after that. And you can, uh, can I send the guy packing on, I hope? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I think turning 30 helped as cliche and funny as that sounds. But, you know, when people say when you hit a bigger birthday, they're like, oh, the next one's 40. What are you going to do for the next 10 years? <laughs> and I just sat there one day and I just went, I, it's not this. You know, I, I've got a little girl watching me and she's learning from me and I can't have her around that type of situation. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I did leave the situation and it was a hard decision, but it's one that I feel like I've thrived since I did it. Um, I've now been working for the last uh, two and a bit years at the place I'm currently at. Um, you know, I wasn't I wasn't able to work any job I did get weren't good enough and now I'm I'm doing it myself um one in my own house um I still see my stepkids like I said I have a lot of love and time for them um 
yeah I've I've been thriving since I left it but I'm also trying to do a lot of healing at the same time of course you know it's I can understand that 10 years is a long time to kind of suffer with that sort of like kind of um kind of abuse sort of things it's not going to happen like you wake up one morning and it's going to be gone uh, if we had a magic wand if we all had a magic wand we all wish we could do that and fortunately life isn't we're not that it's not that simple so no. i mean moving on from it i want to talk about moving on from this sort of side of stuff you've been through I, i'm not going to lie to you it's, it's a hard time the past the first 30 years of your life you know, the first part of your life now but you've turned a corner and the hardest part is realizing and turning that corner what would you what would you say to someone who's literally in the same situation as yourself but struggling to get out of that situation how would you approach that how would you what sort of advice would you give to them depends which situation you're talking about are you talking about like a relationship that's yeah like yeah, abusive like or a, a finding out okay oh let's do both um, let's do both let's do the relationship let's see about if they're in a kind of uh a horrible relationship they they want to get out because at that time because what happens in a, a sort of abusive relationship i believe is that they turn around and the the person makes the other person another uh person relationship think there's nowhere else to go that there's no hope you have to stay with me and you have to be here because otherwise without me you'd be fucked how did they get over that what would from and from your experience in yourself what can i what would advice would you give well you're talking to someone who um had that exact thing happen that's exactly how I felt um I felt I had nowhere else to go I felt no one would want me um you know it was thrown at me like oh you're a single mother um no one will want you um he had all my money everything like that and at the time you know, my family thought he was a nice, nice person. So they were just like, well, you can't just like leave a relationship like that. You need to have money and somewhere to go. And honestly, all I would say to someone is reach out to people because honestly, it was my friends that, like I say, it was one of my friends overheard me on the phone and just said to me, that's not how someone should be spoken to. That's not how you shouldn't have to ask his permission all the time to do things. Um, you know, a cup of tea at a mate's and that. In the end, I find that I was almost feeling like I had to lie about the fact I wanted to go for a cup of tea with a friend for an hour because I knew it would result in an argument and it would result in, well, where have you actually been? When I've just, the rest of the time I'm at home doing housework, doing what I should be doing. Honestly, just speak to people. Speak to people that you trust. And it will work itself out. There are people out there, there's help out there now. Citizens Advice are amazing as well. I went to them um, for advice as to what to do when me and him separated. Um, honestly, that is just speak to people. It's great, but it's, yeah, that's I would think that's probably the best way to be fair. And just look at your clo- the, 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 your friends who've got run about you. The thing is, it's so they probably wouldn't even realise, would they? Some of them, I'll probably say half of the people wouldn't even know. They'd probably be so shocked at it because of the facade that the guy puts on or the, the even the girl not saying this is just a, a oh, the, no, the guy does girls, this, women do this yeah. as well this is an, uh, another thing that we need to but touch on i know i know from my point of view people had no no clue that he was like that because i'd say something they said you'd say something that almost sounded like a complaint about what was going on at the time 
but then you'd follow it up with oh but he works really hard or oh but he's he's always stressed or and they said you'd almost excuse his behavior when he hasn't actually asked you to why who are you excusing right now Mm. you're finding excuses because it's easier to stay in that situation with how you're made to feel at that time you're beaten down you think that person is your world they are everything yeah and there's nothing outside of that he could pick me up with a compliment and he could easily put me down with an insult all in the space of five minutes and then he could be polite at the end and I'd be like oh okay well things are fine that that's that's not how it works it's, it's I know that's not normal now and then blame you for it what, sort of thing yeah it is it's it's mind games you question your own sanity as well you do honestly I can imagine it's, it's fucking horrible it's horrific it's horrific um for a man hearing that that someone actually does that to obviously a woman or the person they're supposed to actually be with it's fucking it's it's horrendous but it it, it Makes my blood boil, to be quite honest with you. I can't help. I'm sitting here like clenching my fist, going, "God damn it!" But it, unfortunately, it does happen in this world. But with going going on from this, you've understood. You, you've sorted it out. You, you mentioned you've got yourself out. You're like, right, time to take the world on. Now, I yeah. understand you said you mentioned about healing. What sort of like can I healing have you realised, and what sort of steps have you taken to? make that apparent sort of thing one of the most basic thing i would say to anyone like i just said to you with the fact that you should speak to someone surround yourself with good good people that want what's best for you when you come out of a situation like that because honestly my friends have honestly been absolute lifesavers in the situation they got me out um obviously when you've been in that kind of situation although I was still allowed to go out it's a very different to just going out without a care in the world and go meet your friends for a lunch or bits and pieces and it's it's just getting back to normality and having you know making your own decisions about things it's the most basic thing but it's really hard and odd to do Mm. it feels unnatural you want that person there to say to you whether what you're doing is right or wrong and thing is no matter who you are whether you're in a relationship or not yes obviously you have consideration and respect for the other person if you're going to be out all night tell them you're going to be out all night but you you don't need permission from that person to do those things you don't need their okay all the time people will disagree on things people will want to do things people don't agree with but it shouldn't affect your being to the point where you transform who you are to basically be someone's perfect fit for them actually to go you're not actually what I want anymore because you've lost your spark you've lost your fire you've lost your confidence and you're not really what you, they found attractive in the first place that's why it baffles me so yeah but it is literally just getting back into the swing of things it's going out surrounding yourself with good people and seeking help if you need it and that's what I've obviously done and going back to work was a massive massive thing for me and having that routine has been amazing i honestly don't know what i would do without work it's like take take each day as it comes sort of thing take it small steps it's not i mean it's like you don't need to make massive like huge like i would say gestures but huge life-changing things but the small things probably make more difference than the large things i would imagine yeah definitely definitely 
Um, you know, we've been in this lockdown now and I've missed work like nobody's business. I mean, aside from the fact that I'm sure any parents listening to this will sympathise with homeschooling and how fun that's <laughs> been. Um, you know, I love my daughter to pieces, but it's not the same as having an adult conversation and being back at work and just doing things that are normal and things that make you feel good because at work, you know, you're doing something, you have a purpose rather than just being at home. And I think I found it hard being at home more so because of things that happened when I was younger. I don't like this being stuck in four walls. So it's kind of take the opposite effect sort of thing. It's like you want to be out all the time. So you've went from one extreme to the other. I have 100% gone from one extreme to the other. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm still, I still get panicky every now and then in big, like big crowds and situations. I think I'm always going to be that way, but the want is there now more than allowing the fear to take over in that aspect. I'm more scared of being stuck in four walls on my own now. Yeah. Than I ever was before. But the most important thing to take away from that, that from everyone who is listening, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Obviously you're proof of that. And there is, there is a better, that life is going to get better for you. If you're listening to this, you're suffering from this sort of ordeal and you're having these sort of uh, issues as well, there is light at the end of the tunnel. And then obviously Kim has just mentioned that you can do it and you can actually get there. This is not your life. If you want a better life, do what you need to do. Nobody's going to think anything bad of you. Everybody's going to be more proud of you than anything else that you're actually improving it and you're getting yourself out there. So please, guys, do not sit there and think that this is your life because it's not. You're worth better. Yeah. Everyone is worth better than that they should be. And uh, listen um, to Kim's story there. It's a uh, proven fact. Sorry, go on. No, I was just going to say, um, you know, health and mind are amazing. I don't know if people have heard of health and mind or mind um, charities do with mental health. I was going to say about the charities and stuff like that, because you're, you're a big advocate of charities when it comes to that. Um, so I want to talk about the charities as well. So what's the, what's the, the this charity called? Sorry. Uh, Mind. And um, Mind, right. last year I did a donation, uh, a fundraiser for them for my birthday and raised some money for them because um, I've seen them a few times. Um, they offer counselling. They offer CBT, which is cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, they offer lots of different things depending on obviously what it is that you're particularly going through um but i rang them in december because i felt like the lockdowns going in and out of lockdowns as well because we had that small one in november um i felt like it was taking a toll on me i felt like i'd gone back a step um i never used to use public transport like i said it was like an irrational phobia of mine to do with all that time and I found myself slipping back into old ways now with COVID. Obviously, there has been that risk. They keep saying, you know, wash your hands, wear your mask. And that's all very well. But when you've already had that little fear before to do with illness and public transport, and you're now talking about a global pandemic, um, you know, it kind of sets a little bit of a seed off again. Like, well, have I got something to worry about? Yeah. And I found I got into bad habits, taxiing everywhere, like I'm, you know, growing money on trees in my back garden <laughs> to get to work and to get to the shop. It's just not feasible. You can't live like that. That's ridiculous. Um, and I just felt I weren't setting a good example again to my daughter. So I rang them thinking they'd offer me some cognitive behavioural therapy, which looks at thought patterns and why you think a particular way or 
things you can associate to do with certain things to change your thinking from negative to positive and the person I happened to speak to was really really thorough and she went into a lot of detail with me from my childhood my dad my relationships um sadly to say abortion um which was obviously that was in a relationship like there was a lot of trauma and bits and pieces there that I hadn't really opened up to and spoken to anyone about and I spoke to this woman and she said I don't think CBT this time is going to cut it she said I think you actually need some proper therapy I'd had cancelling and it had literally just I'd have six weeks of cancelling and it'd open a can of worms and then you're just left there with all these emotions and you don't know what to do with them and you have to wait to be referred again and go through the same process and you're not guaranteed the same person and as soon as I rang them this time and she was like I think we've got something that could really really help you but we think you might have PTSD we need to discuss that further it was a total shock total shock um exactly like what you said I said to her on the phone I went I thought only military people had PTSD people that have you know been to war and seen things that I don't want to think about and she went, no, she went, that's not what it is. That's not what it is. She was like, you know, it's a very real thing. It does happen to people day to day. And she said, this is the problem is it gets overlooked. And they recommended something to me called uh, dynamic interpersonal therapy, which I'd never heard of. And apparently it's quite new. Um, but basically um, 16 weeks of therapy. Um, and it is talking about Um, It's basically to do with you as a person and looking at how your relationships, whether that be romantic, friendships, family, how it all works, things that cause certain feelings and thoughts. And it's very in-depth. It's very in-depth. And I feel like it's been really beneficial and scarily eye-opening. Yeah. So you can see, you can see that there's, that, that, there is additional help than just popping tablets to make you feel better, you know, as if you, as you put it, you know what I mean? You're that sort of stuff. There's other help. There's charities out there. They can refer you to a lot of different places. They can refer, they can refer you to places that are going to help you. Don't feel bad about this. If anyone's listening as well, don't feel bad. You have to do this. You should feel as if take that step to better yourself is the biggest step that you can take. It's the one that's the hardest but it's the one that's going to be the most beneficial is that first step. And once you do that, I, I believe that you'll be able to, you'll see things get a lot, lot better. So that's great. So final, final thought on this, Ken, what's for, obviously we've talked about it. Anyone who's listening, who you think that um, would like to hear something from yourself, what, what, what sort of advice would you give them? Final thought on this. Well, with COVID and the lockdown and everything that's happened, I've seen some of the, what I would class as some of the strongest people I know struggle for the first time in their life with something like this. And, you know, I've had one of them ring me and say to me, you know, I've always said to you, you were a strong person, but I never realised how strong until I'm now going through the situation that you do. And she said, and you're telling me you sometimes get up like this every single day. She was like, I don't know how you cope. And that's the sad thing about what's going on at the moment is obviously COVID and everything is a very real thing. Not disputing that, but the fact is that mental health isn't being talked about. And 
you know, suicide rates have gone up a massive amount with COVID. Um, people are struggling for the first time in their life and people don't know what to do. Mm. And the problem is with how social media and that can be, you know, um, I read something the other day and I thought that's really, really true. Um, I'm sure everyone knows about the anyone in the UK, definitely, although I'm sure the whole world, um, Harry and Meghan interview yep. with Oprah. Yeah, well, yeah, we've seen that. And, yeah, and everyone was sharing stuff about it, saying they believe or don't believe what she said. Let's get to the point of it. It doesn't matter whether you're going to say whether you believe that she had mental health issues or she didn't. Okay, keep your opinion to yourself. I read something and I thought it was just so true that it said, she or him are not going to see what you post personally on your social media about whether you think that's true or not. But the only people that are going to see it are your friends and family. And if they think that you doubt someone who's categorically said on national TV, might I add, that they are suffering with mental health, they're not going to come to you. You're not going to have your friends and family come and talk to you because they think you'll judge them. They'll think you won't believe them. Oh, they're overreacting. Oh, it's not really that serious. You want to let your friends and family know that you are there, no matter what, whether they need to speak about something, that there will be no judgment. It's the worst thing that you could do to someone who's going through something like that, is there to be judgment. Wow, that is very, very powerful and very true. That's um, something I think people can take away or listen to this and you can take that away. One thing you can take away from this whole podcast and this whole show is what just Kim said right there. I think that's a great way to finish this up on, to be honest. So, Kim, thank you so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure. I'm so um, uh, kind of proud that you came on. I'm very um, uh, privileged for you to come on and share your story for us. And uh, guys, if you're listening to this, um, we will be posting up um, links to different charities and uh, um, on the description. So please, if do not suffer in silence. Please, for the love of God, don't do it. We don't need unnecessary things happening to people that don't need to happen. Speak to one. It's okay to not be okay. It's the old uh, slogan they've got. And uh, we're always here. If you want to reach out to anyone, um, you can obviously reach out to us here. Email the page. It's going to be confidential. We don't need to talk about it. If you just want to chat, we're more than here, happy to help. Can I just add one thing quickly? Of course you can. I don't want people to think that because I'm appearing quite fine as well now on like on this. I mean, I'm quite pleased with myself how I've done today. To be fair, um, I've been nervous. My hands are like this, <laughs> but you know, there are days where I still there's more days that I still get up and I do find things hard and it is coping and it's, you know, having a bag full of mints and water and headphones to go out in public on my own without my daughter while I'm going about my day. And there are coping mechanisms. It's not just what you're seeing now. It is hard. There are days it's really bad. You can relate. <laughs> You've seen it. I have. Um, but my point is, overall, it does get better. I'm happier than I've been. I can't tell you since when. I'm happier. I'm finding out more about myself. I would highly recommend this therapy that I'm having. Um, yeah, she's just, I'm, I'm looking at myself. I'm questioning myself, the way I'm thinking, the way I'm acting, and whether or not it's because of me or because of people around me and the way I've been made to feel. And 
you know there there'll always be good days and bad days but just it's yeah I've got a big smile on my face now but there are days where it's not great but you just you will you'll cope you'll get through it brilliant great way to end it Kim thank you so much for joining us it's been an absolute pleasure thank you for having me take care everybody